Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome Denver Dolly for bands such as Desaparecidos, Statistics, and Weak Nights. If you haven't dove into any of these bands, they're an amazing assortment of unforgettable riffs and sounds. And be on the lookout for more from Weak Nights. That is W-E-A-K. Denver and I talked about playing music, being in bands in Omaha, go deep amps and guitar pedals and we found out that we have a similar amp in common while we were both trying to learn nirvana it's a very fun chat it's as if we were sitting on the back porch or patio wherever you may be and i hope you enjoy small note shout out to someone in the scene that we lost recently dave stein he's a lawyer for many bands that you probably know and love and a big reason why they probably didn't get screwed over in their contracts and a lawyer is a big part of the music scene and why someone is successful or not it's one of the pieces and dave was a rock for many in our scene so for countless people um he was that person that uh, gave them support and big reason why they're still around today so rest in peace dave stein thank you for taking the time to support this endeavor from patreon to my podcast host double elvis or you in between episodes that i have out um i appreciate it and thank you for supporting me this is episode 232 the Washed Up Email Podcast with Denver Dolly. My name is Denver Dolly, and I am at home just outside of Milwaukee, and I'm actually at my studio so i'm not actually at home but i'm at home nice and um i love um that you're in milwaukee i think similar to outside of big cities you get the you know residual effects of some of the larger cities um but you're away from it uh too do you do you feel that in 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 milwaukee because because there's a scene there it's just not you don't have to be like in chicago or in those larger cities right Right. And it's also like you mentioned Chicago, like obviously that's only, you know, an hour and a half away um, traffic provided, but it's nice to be able to have that option too. Like if there's a show that's coming through, that's not coming through Milwaukee, like I'll just drive down to Chicago and catch it there. Yeah. But then yes, I can retreat to my little dork den and <laughs> just play with my guitars and not have to deal with anything. Yeah. And, um, we were talking before, um, you know, your career and things you've been doing, including like, you know, house painting and also firefighter EMT, but you sort of like, like six months ago had like some moment of clarity, um, about what you really wanted to do. And I feel like there's a lot of people having those same kind of things. And if it was, if it was COVID or just, you know, everybody's sort of reevaluating with things that are sort of volatile in the, in the world itself. But what was that like for you kind of evaluating you needed to kind of spend more time in in different ways yeah like so yeah like you said i've always been a house painter that's always been my like thing that i've done between tours or whatever and then now that i haven't really been touring anymore it's kind of become the main thing but then on top of that i'm a like you said i'm a firefighter emt and i you know it's it can be really addictive it's really fun and it's really satisfying to kind of feel like you're helping out and people are like always excited to see you you know you're not like a a cop that's there to like in some people's minds like get you in trouble or or you know 
throw the book at you or whatever. Like you're purely there to help out and try to remedy the situation. So it's nice to, to be welcomed, you know, like, and, uh, be able to, you know, I mean, it's like you're a little kid, you get to play with these big toys and rip the roof off of a car if you need to. And, you know, whatever. And you're like encouraged to do that kind of destruction, but it for a good cause. But anyway, um, so yeah, I do a lot of, you know, it's primarily rescue calls, um, in the ambulance and the fire calls are pretty few and far between. And again, super nice to be helpful, but, um, I don't know. There's a point where you kind of, you're like loading these people into the ambulance and maybe some of them aren't going to make it. And you kind of think about, you know, how much time you have. And I think it's super important to give back and, and be involved and, you know, be a, a community service however you want to do it um but at the same time i think it's you have to obviously like make family the priority and make sure you're you know spending time where you need to while you have the time to spend so i don't know like like i was saying i'll always do it in some capacity but you know i had been going you know full force like taking every call that i absolutely could and stuff and now i'm just like i'll i'll take them when i can take them and you know like i don't want to lose track of it's important. That's really great. Did you yeah. feel, did you feel like, I, I mean, was it from, was it, was it mentally? Was it like physical? Was it like, Oh my God, how am I still doing this? Or. Um, I don't know. I think it was because uh, it, it, it just, it is addictive. It's like a little, it's like a high, you know, to kind of, to feel like you're helping out and to kind of feel like you, you know, not, uh, I don't want to be cheesy and say save the day, but like kind of, you know, like it's, it, you know, it's like a rush and you kind of want to do it again and you want to be there. And, and uh, I think it's easy. It was easy for me to kind of like get so focused in on that, that I was like, you know, I'd be at, like, my wife got to have a date and I'd be like, Oh, sorry. I got to take this call. And it's like, and, and obviously sometimes there are things like that where you absolutely have to, you know, but, the same time like when all said and done um i don't want to have just purely you know memories of these calls i want to have memories with my wife and stuff while i can you know and i don't know so finding weird... that balance was was really helpful exactly yeah it's a balance that's that's the best way to put it because absolutely you should you should you know honor your commitments and you shouldn't um, cherry pick or, you know, be like, well, now's not a good time. So I'm not going to take this call, but you do have to like, well, okay, I'm not going to sign up for every possible shift that I can. Like, I'm just going to do like a response, like a reasonable amount. So I'm still like a, a human outside of that. Yeah. You must, you must feel good. Yeah, no, it, it really, cause yeah, I think like it was, at first, it was like hard to to not, you know, like I'd, I'd get the page or whatever, and like, oh, I could, ah, you know, and I'd really agonize it. Then to the point now, I'm like, no, it's good. I'm I'm glad I'm not gonna be there for like four hours. I, you know, I'd really, I'm like, I'm happy that I'm here at home in this moment right now. Yeah, sort of. It, it, I, I mean, you, I feel like. Uh, getting caught up, like you said, in that rush. Um, I kind of felt that with the music industry a little bit, right? Oh, there's another show. I'm, I'm going to go out tonight. Oh, totally. there's another thing in the morning. I'm going to go do that. And, um, oh, we got to be there for that thing. And you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I could say the same thing with like touring, you know, yeah. like, like 
I think a lot of people, as I've, you know, talked to them as we're getting older, like I hear everyone saying like, oh yeah, we're doing like a week here and a week there and, and two weeks, you know, like the, never more than like two weeks. And it's way more responsible than like, we're going out for two months straight. We can't go to any life events. Like I will not be at your wedding or your funeral. Like I am on the road, you know, and it's great. And then don't get me wrong. I want to take those days back, but like at the same time, like, there's a there's a balance, like you said. There's a, a way to have both. Yeah, um, I, I like that even when you mentioned the firefighter stuff. My mom's two sisters, she both of them married firemen, and so anytime oh. I would go down to see them, they lived in Massachusetts. Um, you know, they would have the fire trucks, and and they would bolt unannounced. Right. Because yeah. they were like, oh, I got to go. And like it was weird because I was used to my parents were teachers and they were very like on this like regular schedule. So I just think even that even that just like I have to go right now. I don't have a choice. Like you said, it's satisfying, but it's just interesting that I noticed that kind of for, as like a kid. I was like, uh -huh. that that must be hard, like mentally. Yeah. And it could be like. I have to go and then you're back in like literally two minutes because it turned out it was a false alarm and yeah. you know, whatever. Or you could be like, I won't be back for like seven hours, you know? Yeah. And again, I think 100% you should totally do that. But, you know, you can sign up for shifts. So maybe it's like, I'll do that, you know, 48 hours and then I'll not do that for three days or, you know, instead yeah. of like, I'll do that every possible chance I can get every night, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's not sustainable. You no, know? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, switching gears for a minute. Cause I think, um, this, it probably, it probably relates, uh, in, in some way. And we'll, we'll find that is what about finding punk for you? Finding, finding stuff, music and finding the alt alternative, tunes like what was that like growing up who were some people that shared with you records to talk about that a little bit yeah um my older brother was definitely it was funny like he and i didn't really get along until we were like adults i mean we didn't it's not like we hate each other and fought all the time but we just didn't really like lock in i feel like until we were both like you know 18 to 22 or whatever um but music was always a thing that we could like it's like a common ground. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was super into like the Beatles cause we had VHS tapes and that was kind of like the extent of my, um, we had VHS tapes of like the two movies, like help and hard days night. And I was like, I love this. I, I want to play guitar like George Harrison. Like this is, but then my brother came along and was like, and this is the Pixies. And I was like, that was a, a total game changer. Um, because I still to this day think that the Pixies and Joey Santiago in particularly are like probably my biggest influence overall. You know, like as much as I wow. got so into Nirvana um, to the point where I feel like I don't need to ever listen to those records again. I can just like press play in my mind because they're just like burnt. <laughs> totally. You know, um, and, you know, to this day, I, I, I swear that... Uh, Nine Snails, Downward Spiral is my all-time favorite record ever. Like, it's been since I was 14 until now. Like, it has been my... But that all being said, like, the Pixies have definitely been the longest-running and some, you know, some that I listen to regularly still, you know? I mean, I, I I feel you on the Nirvana part. Like, like it's like I have to listen to like a live record from like 
in utero era where I know he's using like a different guitar for me to like, you know, for me yeah. to listen to. But why, why is for the Pixies that you can go back to it? Like what I know everyone has their reasons. Like what, what about it that you can keep going back? I don't even know. Honestly, like it, it like that fascinates me even, you know, like that. Cause I've, I mean, I really think about that a lot with Nirvana. Like I was, and I still am a huge fan, obviously. But like you know, when I was, God, like in how old, are, are we the same age? I feel like you might. Be I'm, I just turned forty-two. Okay, I was about to say you're like two or three years younger than me. I think I, I'm forty-four. Okay, so yeah. Similar. So like in that, you know, that fourth to eighth grade um, ish. I don't know. I guess it was probably. Yeah, I guess it was probably around fourth grade, ninety-one. Um, but, you know, like I was just, that was all I listened to and all I played on guitar and all I wanted to play on guitar. And like, that's, you know, what I really first started, you know, sitting down and like figuring out so I could play along to the records and stuff. And and it just boggles my mind that, you know, if that version of me could see me now, they'd be like, why aren't you listening to Nirvana all the time? Like, that's what, that's the plan. Like, that's what we're agreed upon. <laughs> And it's there. It's in my mind. And I love it. But for some reason, I don't know, the Pixies just struck a chord. And like the, I think it's just the, I mean, it, it really has a lot to do with um, Joey Senio's guitar playing. And like, you know, like his, I don't think he was like, a, I think he could be flashy if he wanted to and do like, you know, some wailing solo, but he was always just really cool and choice with what he played. And, and it stood out and, and, uh, didn't just seem like insert generic guitar solo here. It was like he was doing such creative things and like, you know, playing a solo without playing the guitar, you know, like just purely playing pedals and stuff. Kind of like, oh, I later got into like Tom Morello and stuff, but uh, I don't know. I just think he's really, I don't think he gets enough credit for, you know, how influential it's kind of one of those things where people talk about, you may not realize it, but you know, like James Jamerson, the the bass player from all those Motown recordings, he influenced the way that you play. Even if you can't yeah. directly, you know, he influenced someone who influenced you. And like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think actually when you talk about the simpleness of guitar playing, I got into guitar probably around the same time. You know, Nirvana. I just was like, I have to get a guitar immediately. And what I liked was that I I could play rhythm. And I could, mm-hmm. I could riff, but I had so much trouble s- with solos because I didn't, I didn't like Steve Vai and like, I mean, I think, I mean, I've gotten to meet some of these people over the years just in my day job. Like they're super cool, right? Yeah. Like Satch is really like, uh, Vi was cool. Like these guys are fine, but I just didn't hear music in it. Like I didn't yeah. hear like a feeling. And then when I heard Kurt or like you talk about the Pixies, it's like these simple notes that you're like, why is that not leaving my head? And then you can fucking play it yourself until your mind gets blown because you're yeah. like, they wrote something simple that I can play that connected. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, when you think about like you're saying those guys that, you know, they're insane musicians and it's incredible. And I respect the hell out of it. I just, it's never been for me because I I can't, you know, so I'm yeah. like, so I don't want to do it anyway. Kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, there's there's people like that. 
I feel like Slash is like kind of the in between where yes he'll 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 shred, but but it's memorable and everyone knows those solos. You know, like they can. I don't know. There's a great. There's I don't know if I'd say great. There's a very interesting um, song exploder with Weezer. Have you listened to that? I episode? haven't. No. It's a it's fascinating. It really takes you on a journey because. And again, huge Weezer fan. I'm not like in any way knocking, and he's very open about it. But it's it's almost like he's going about songwriting in a way where like he made a, a compiled a list of like here's what you could do if you're stuck, and then each of those techniques becomes the way that he's writing the song. So like, and again, it's a great episode, and it's really fascinating to listen to. But he talks about like, well, I like this song, so I took their chord progression. And then I played it the way I would. And then I, you know, would sing nonsense over it. And then I'd count the syllables. And then I'd open up this, you know, uh, spreadsheet of lines I'd written down randomly that have the right syllables. And and he's plugging in these things in it. Uh, and I was just like, wait, what? But anyway, long story long, I can't recognize that. I can't, um, I can't recommend that episode enough. It's really interesting. But um he was talking about guitar solos and how he, he, the way he doesn't, he doesn't want to get caught in what we're talking about where it's just like this shred fest and it's not, I mean, it's impressive, but it's not really memorable. So he does like, he'll sing like a melody because he wants you to be able to kind of sing along or, you know, play like a simpler thing. And then he'll pitch it up like two octaves and then, you know, figure it out and play that version. So it's, it's more of a singing solo than a yeah which i felt nirvana was too yeah exactly yeah that's really interesting yeah and then he has the actual audio so you hear him sounding like a chipmunk you know and then Mm -hmm. he goes back and you know tabs it out or whatever but um, but i think there's that what you talk about that something that's memorable and the bands that you mention um there is this level of it's not from a it's not from a place of i need to impress i want to make something that you're going to connect with and again i love all those guitar players i'm actually a huge like stevie ray vaughn fan like i just i mean i like shreds i just think from like a music what i'm going to listen to which is what we talked about what you were bringing up of like what can i listen to over and over again there's something about simplicity and a song that i kind of I don't know. It just, it seems to go deeper for me than something that's like a Phrygian scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure. And like, and I hate to um, talk about something that I've done when we're talking about like legit, like great guitar players and stuff, but kind of going playing to what you're saying. Um, the, there was a song on the last uh, days of Paracito's record where I, um, I did this like, glitch sound like um and it it wasn't even really i wasn't even really playing a note i was just hitting one note and then grazing my delay pedal so fast on a loop mode that it you know just kind of went like it kind of glitched and that was the thing like that the most people have connected with and asked me about like because because it is uh, something that sticks out and it grabs you and you're kind of like what is that like what you know, and oh wait, I, I, I know that song. That's like the main riff, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What's yep. that song called? City on the Hill. Yes. Yeah, that is a rip and riff. <laughs> and yeah, and it's like, and it's to be fit. Technically, I'm not even really playing it. Like I'm just, I'm 
<laughs> playing a split second of a note and letting a pedal like continue it on for me. But you know, like that was always kind of the dream. It's like, oh, I, like not trying to be a hot shot, but I want to do something that stands out to where someone's intrigued and like, no, no, wait a minute, what's that? Like, how are you doing that? And maybe that inspires them to do something with the same thing, but it sounds cool and different, or I don't know. Yeah. Like that's, I just always knew I was, I'm never going to be able to do the Stevie Ray Vaughan, Steve Vai. Like, that's that I love it and I love to watch it and it's fascinating. And I, I spend hours watching YouTube clips of them, but then like I was like, that's never going to be me, but maybe I can use smoke and mirrors and, you know, use pedals and, and trickery yeah, to kind of. Totally. And that, I've always been fine with that. It's always been like, yes, that is what I would, I'd, I'd, I want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, who just actually mentioned this and, and we can move on, but I was watching some, uh, I don't know which Gallagher brother that you support, but Noel was doing an interview about some of his gear and he just talked about ripping off the stone roses. He's like, yeah, I, 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 I nick it all. He's like, you can, yeah. you can just look, I, I nick it all. And it's, 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 there's, there's only so many notes and there's only so many riffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's totally cool to be like, you know, very open and honest about it. I mean, like, yeah, that I love that band. I love what they do. And I wanted to do that too. So I'm doing, you know, instead of trying to be like, that's crazy. Cause I came up with that and I didn't, you know, <laughs> and it's like, no, it's the ultimate compliment. Like I, that they did it perfectly. And so I'm just trying to do what they did. Cause it was awesome. Yeah. What else, what else when you, um, were getting into stuff? Like, I mean, Nirvana put me down a hole of like, you know, I learned about, you know, obviously sub pop. And then I found out about sort of like DIY and, um, really kind of put me down a, down a hole. What was that for you? Hmm. Like, was it discord? Was it lookout? Like, was it some bands coming through? It was look at, it was a lot of local bands um, that, you know, the whole like, they're kind of the precursor to uh, Saddle Creek, um, like Slowdown, Virginia. And yep. there was one, um, it's the guitar player from Slowdown, Virginia, and uh, early cursive, Steve Peterson. He has a band now called Criteria, but before that, he had a band called Smash Mouth, which is. Before, obviously, the... The other one. <laughs> the other one. Um, but, they, yeah, those guys, because, you know, it was there, and it was something you could go see, and there was, you know, the, the venue in Omaha that people, a lot of people talk about, the Cog Factory, that was... Where you, it was... I don't know. I think as much as I respected a lot of these recordings, like, for me, it was more like... when I mean, they were within arm's reach, and it was, you know... Also, if they were local guys, because, you know, they had a lot of insane bands that came through the Cog Factory, um, but the local guys made it more like, hey, wait a minute, like, I could do this, like, we could do this, like, this isn't just for this elite crew of touring musicians that came from who knows where, it's like, and I think that was a lot of kind of the Omaha scene um, in its heyday was like, I don't know, it's just kind of like with anything, like with skateboarding, like, let's say, like, there's a group of friends that go out and skateboard, and there's one guy that's really good, and you're like, or girl, and you're like, oh, man, they're doing that, I could do that, too, like, and then you kind of push yourself hard, and you're like, oh, I just did, I just kicked up that, those same stairs, or whatever, you know, like, mm -hmm. whatever, but it's, you know, you all just keep kind of pushing each other, and, like, when you, you don't think that there's, like, a 
a limit or a cap on it and like so let's see you know how far it can go or where it can go what was in the water in omaha yeah i don't know i i mean i i think kind of like earlier when i was saying how in some ways milwaukee and omaha are comparable and like the you know you only get like a, a certain like a three months of nice weather and you really enjoy it then but then around that it's like well i guess let's go to the basement and make a band or something because it's miserable outside and i don't know what else to do um i mean I, that was the same thing we used to call it fall winter spring july because yeah. <laughs> it was like that was it and you i learned how to like i don't know i didn't really have cabin fever because you were stuck inside like you were like you had to go figure out what to do yeah and you got someone like you know a, a tim casher or a steve peterson that come along and it it again like i don't think you absolutely have to have a catalyst like that, but I think that they were able to kind of bring things to a different level and encourage people in a way that they didn't realize they were doing just by doing their own thing. But I mean, if you talk like, you know, a lot of those guys, like the faint guys too, they're like the same thing. Like, Oh yeah. When I saw Southern Virginia, I was like, I can do that. Do wow. That. And so what about you going to shows? Like did, what were some of those um, first ones and did you start to see, did you kind of realize like oh shit like my 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 town has this shit going on yeah and there so there was when I was like a little guy um, the neighborhood I grew up in there was like a local bar uh, it was right on a busy street um, but it was like within the bike ride and I couldn't get in but they had a huge glass window looking out over the, the busy street you know, I'm sure to right behind the stage and I'm sure uh, it was, you know, kind of try to bring people in because I, you know, see this, this band playing in the window. But I used to go sit there in the window and watch and, you know, it's just like a sponge. That's the thing too, like, as much as I want to like, you know, I, I, I did kind of by default, like I liked local bands and I did like some more kind of obscure stuff that my brother showed me and everything. But I was also just like, a complete a complete and total sponge like i i listened to everything and i would get excited about like even if i wasn't telling the band like i'd be like oh I like that you know and i like that aspect of it and um you know i've heard like connor's always had this long running joke about like pearl jam and how much he and his brother used to make fun of pearl jam and hate pearl jam or whatever and then you know over time i think it just became like a character of itself. I don't think he really dislikes him, but at the time there was like, who are these fucking guys? But I was always like, Oh man, that's awesome. Like the more things to listen to, you know, like I loved right all of it. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't like, this is, this is too mainstream for me. And I was like, yeah, it's mainstream, but I mean, what are they doing? Cause everyone's listening, you know? So there's a reason for that. It's gotta be some reason for it, you know? And yeah, not that I was trying to crack the code, but I was like, you know, like, I don't know. So you were totally open to everything and you were, so you were getting into indie rock. You were listening to the radio. Like what kind of things were um, for you, like playing music? Was that changing too? Like, were you, I mean, I felt early on you were making your own songs versus like yeah. covers, right? I mean, that's a lot of things people yeah. do. Like they either become a cover person or start there, but you were kind of making your own songs at the beginning. Yeah. And that's, it's funny because I feel like that's almost kind of hurt me in some situations. Like I feel like 
playing covers is like an art, you know, and I, and I just kind of never got into that. I mean, I'd learn, obviously, like we were talking about, I'd learn all the Nirvana songs because I wanted to be able to play through the entire record beginning to end without taking a break, you know, and that kind of thing. But as I got older and like now, you know, when I talk to people and they're like, they'll be like, you know, Oh, you, you play in a band. I'm like, I did. I kind of do. Yeah. I don't know. And they're like, Oh, cool. Play me something, you know, like get up there and play a cover song. I'm like, I don't know any cover songs. Like, right. Right now, if you held a gun to my head, I'd be like, I don't, I guess I'd play those Nirvana songs still, but like, I don't know, you know, beyond that or beyond like a riff or like a section of, you know, it's just interesting, but yeah. So anyway, I don't think I kind of skipped your question there, but yeah, we, my buddies and I, like in um, middle school, I would write my own little songs, like on acoustic, like in grade school and stuff. But then, yeah, my buddies and I had like a little garage band or whatever, but yeah, the biggest, I don't know. It's funny. Like probably the moment that I can pinpoint that were that truly changed everything was, um, you know, I, I talked before about how much I love the downward spiral. Um, that tour that they were touring that album and it came to Omaha. And uh, there's this moment in the set where for um, Hurt, like the this screen came down from the ceiling in this auditorium, this arena, this biggest show I'd ever been into in my life screen comes down and then they projected like all this black and white imagery and just Trent was like cutting through the, he was behind the curtain, but they had a light on him. So he was coming through and uh, I was just blown away. Like, I mean, I loved the song before, but seeing like a performance like that and then seeing like the audio and visual marriage. And uh, I don't know. I just, to this day, like, I feel like I'm always chasing that dragon of being 14 years old and, and watching that show. And the crazy part was that randomly, I don't know how or why they decided they were filming that night and you can go to like YouTube and pull up that video and all the live shots are like, I don't think it's all from that night, but I think half of them are or something, but it's kind of cool for me to like the nerd in me to have that, I mean, obviously you don't see me in the crowd or anything like that, but I know that I'm in that crowd. And that was the moment, like my mind was truly blown and music took on a whole different thing to me at that point. That's fucking awesome. I love that it's on YouTube. Yeah. So you can look it up the, the, the black and white hurt video or, um, yeah, there's something going on here and I'm in it. And like, you want to chase that. Why? That's why I open up my email to find out what bands people are sending me. Like I want, it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're, yeah. you're chasing that high. Yeah. And you want the idea that you could somehow be that or be a part of that for someone else, you know, like, the yeah. idea that, like when you talk about opening your email and stuff like, and another thing too, is like, you know, nowadays it's, you can just pretty much bet that it's someone's taping it at any given time. There's probably totally. like five cell phones on it. And so, <laughs> you know, and it's on a, someone's TikTok or whatever. And then to go back and see this thing that you like, you didn't realize it was being caught, you know, like at a time when it wasn't just so standard that everyone was filming all the time or even better that when you go back and watch it, that you're not like, 
oh, that was better in my mind. You know, oh, when totally. you watch it, like, oh, right? And you're like, oh, oh yeah. it is still as incredible as it was. And I just, I don't know, you're just so lucky to have that little piece of history that you were so stoked on. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that ripped. I mean, it wasn't what I thought, but, you know, it still rips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about um, some of your thoughts around Desaparcidos and that itch that, you had with that sound and um i want to talk about the latest record which i was really fun to watch and see i got to see that um at shea stadium i think when you guys when was on that yeah. tour but talk about you know sort of that that music and some of the touring and um that time period because that was a kind of a weird time period too 2000 i mean not necessarily 9 11 but just like the way that the scene was kind of breaking yeah it was so it was interesting so when we originally, originally, I think it was me and Matt Baum, the drummer, and Ian McElroy, Connor's cousin, um, who plays keyboards. And we started this band, and it was, you know, originally, I think it was going to be like, when we talked about it beforehand, it was going to be like, I don't think Matt was even going to play drums. I think he was like, I've got some turntables. I'd like to see how those work. And I was like, I'll make some crazy sounds. And I don't know, like it, we had, you know, and again, this is probably because we I've just been, you know, listening to OK Computer for years <laughs> at that point and uh, <laughs> really going through my Johnny Greenwood phase, which I still am. But, um, but then, yeah, so then we kind of caught wind of it and he's like, well, yeah, like I'm in on this, whatever it is. Like, and the first time we got together, um, the four of us, like it was like almost like immediately like you know we started off like i had, to, I remember I had this <laughs> like i had this like i had this crazy like it was like called a v guitar it was like a synth thing and it was it was insane and immediately ditched it and just you know cranked up distort like it like i don't know i can't even put into words like it was like this unsaid thing of like no, no, we're doing this. Like, not even. Let's not try to experiment and make like weird electronic <laughs> sounding band. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what we were going for, but it was just like, no, no. Like, this people, these people in this room equals this sound. Um, and then, obviously, we ended added Landon to the band and stuff. But um, yeah, it was crazy. Like, some of those songs like came. I mean, obviously, like, I'd have like the. Uh, the parts like here's the verse here's the chord but not even co completely and some of them would come together like like literally in minutes like i think manana like came together in like five or six minutes wow to like the version that we still like to the that was on the record and that we play now you know it was like like i played them the same like, oh no 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 four times that four times that and then just and then like i right, done and it was just um so yeah i really think it was like it couldn't have been planned it was just purely what happened when we all got together in a band room rock commenced yeah so i don't know so yeah it was an interesting thing because you know i think a lot of people were excited about the project and um it was just kind of getting going and then obviously i think you know, Connor kind of had to make the decision like, well, Paradise is, you know, going insane. And I, 
kind of have to do that, you know? And so we understood, but it was still hard, you know, and it was, and it didn't, it was kind of more abrupt. It wasn't like this thing like, Oh, we see this coming. And it's, but it was like, all of a sudden it was just kind of over because I get that, but it, you know, it was hard. And so, um, yeah, when we got to do it again, it was, it was really fun to do it again. I mean, that's the part that I, I think I may be, I may have talked about that with Connor, which I also love that his middle name is my last name. Um, yeah, which right. we figured out when we were, um, I think Tim Casher might've just tipped him off or something. It was very funny. Um, he's like, are and we Ian too? Ian, Ian, oh. McElroy, Ian, Ian Mullen, McElroy, all those guys, they're all have Mullen Man, middle names in I, that family. I'm just going to have to work on getting in the, on the list then through that. I'm just going to say I'm yeah, family, right? you know. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> what I loved, I think, about that time period when I during Paola was that it just looked like, and I know that everyone says this is our latest record and we, you know, we did this and this. I just think because of the time between them and the sound um to me it just felt like this was almost like this bottled up um sound um yeah. and i just i i kind of i did i was super i was super excited that there was like a almost like a chance for people to see your band and then there's a whole new record to experience and it like backed it up yeah i think so too. and yeah that was another thing too where like you know there's so many people out there, not so many, like we're some big deal, but I mean, there was a lot of people out there that had the record from, you know, back in 2002 and who had never seen us because we only, we only did like one and a half tours pretty right. much. Like, and it was kind of, and then, no, so we did, we did one run with Cursive before like anything was even out. And then we did like a half, like of our own tour. And then, kind of pulled the plug and then randomly did those dates with like Jimmy world and the promise ring. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember that's like 2003, 2004 or something. And then after that, again, nothing. And, and at that time, like we were kind of gearing up, like, in fact, we wrote a couple of the songs on payola. We wrote back around the time that we did that Jimmy world tour. Like we kind of thought like, Oh wow. Game on. Yeah. We revamped them on, you know, made them a little more current, but musically like, um back cell was from that, that mm. era it's kind of funny that's the that's a ripper <laughs> that's but really yeah, so, that's so it's because yeah i guess you've kind of had pieces of it and and to be able to have a little bit of a send-off to the band almost yeah, yeah and that was the thing like it that, so much of that band just kind of felt like it was like the band that never was, you know, like it, yeah. and I think to be fair, I think maybe that's part of the charm of it, you know, like that it, it didn't get like, you know, one of those things where people like tour until they absolutely can't anymore or, or you know, like until friends goes into its 12th season or whatever, you know, like sometimes it's better to just leave it. Like, I don't know. Sometimes maybe the idea is almost better than the reality of, I don't know. There's all these different ways to kind of justify it. I mean, I definitely <laughs> <laughs> rationalize it in your brain and make it sound. Right. Um, no, I definitely wanted to do more. Like, you know, I wasn't, not that I wanted, again, I didn't want to like ring out every last drop, but we didn't, there was still a lot of places we'd never played. And I wanted to at least, you know, be able to 
go there once and if people in that town wanted to see it you know great like we never did europe we did one tour of the uk and dublin i have to be very very clear and careful thank you very much i i said <laughs> something about like uk tour starting and someone was and all these people were like no 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 you're in dublin i was like I know. I was just saying, like, every other date on this tour is in the, the UK, so I'm just calling it the UK tour. But I get your point, and you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that they gave you shit. So I will forever be very, very clear that it was the UK plus Dublin tour. UK Ireland tour. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, being able to do that and, you know, what did it did it feel? Um, what What other feelings did you have when that? you know, record came out and being able to play some of those songs, spending time together again, probably playing some different venues that yeah. were, you know, a little bit more like Shea Stadium was, you know, pretty much like an upstairs to an up to a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not saying that in yeah. a bad way, but more of like, no. it kind of got back to its little bit of like, it, if it was like, if it was a different venue, in New York, I think I'd have a different memory. But because it was yeah. in a spot like that, I'm like, this is what it would have been. 2004, 2002, this is what it would have been at. <laughs> yeah, just pure chaos. Yes. Well, it's funny, too, because that is probably the smallest venue. I mean, maybe not back in the in the back of the day, back in 2001 or whatever, but um, certainly since Paola and stuff, and we'd kind of like, not like, I don't know, we just we were so used to more space and more room for the gear and for ourselves. And so it was the tiny, and again, I'm with you. Like, I think those cramped chaotic shows can, are the best, you know, because, because it is so cramped and chaotic and you never know what's going to happen. But um, it was just funny because that was the one that were like, Oh yeah. NPR is going to come out and film it and we're going to record it and release it later as a live album. And it's like, Oh great. So it's like extremely documented. Like, <laughs> Cause I don't even mind the video because, like, oh, I see why he messed that note up because he just ran into the bass player and now he's on the ground, or you know. But <laughs> when you're listening to it, you're like, God, can this guy even play guitar or what's going on? <laughs> I had a blast. It was fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. Again, I guess rationalizing it, but I've always said, like, you know, if you want to listen to it like perfectly, then I guess that's what a record's for. But if you want to, like, <laughs> see like a you know a, a loud crazy energetic performance it's not going to be perfect but again i'm rationalizing because there's bands out there that can do it perfectly and still be insane yes got it by voices yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> at the drive-in i mean yeah. yeah oh absolutely that was another um before we move on that was another show that that was jimmy lazy kane and at the drive-in and i had this like amazing memory of the show and then someone found a video of them playing i think fahrenheit i think is one of the names it's off via um or maybe i'm wrong i forget but there was a video that surfaced and it was like from that show and i was like wow uh, i should have been wearing earplugs like that's all i can think about the whole time like, yeah <laughs> i'm See, such a fucking idiot. my favorite yeah seriously my favorite live band i think like that most energetic like and it's funny because everyone so we you know a lot of my friends are from minneapolis and um grew up with like you know prince being such a, yes. a presence i mean he's such a presence everywhere don't get me wrong but especially in minneapolis because you'd have these you know encounters and um you know like people would see him or, or have a story like of a party at the recording studio one night or whatever we kind of collect these stories and um 
which is, you know, kind of obviously like the Chappelle show thing, but um, it's more the ones that my buddies always would trade are more about the music and about the insane uh, musical things he would do. But um, I feel like with at the drive-in, like everyone has stories like that too, where they're at a show and they're like, watched him run on people's shoulders and heads like <laughs> through the entire like to the back of the venue and back without tripping and hitting the ground you know like that is how do you do that like that is not what a normal human can do no. like just some of those things they would i don't know i'm just forever in awe of that band yeah that that show people were talking about and it was like what do we just see like that that this is going to be insane and uh yeah you're right and i just watched like a youtube of them on like bbc it was like one of those like ones not like top of the pops where they're just where they're uh, just playing the, the track behind it this was like a like a bbc thing where they're and like these kids are watching them and they're just running like you said around the stage and and um I think some of the people in the audience are like, what did I sit in on? Like, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this? <laughs> this is insane. Uh, I just, uh, last thing on, uh, cause we brought up Jimmy world earlier. Prince covered the middle like live one night. Oh, wow. And like, there's a live recording of it or something. And it's just like, uh, yeah, we could do a whole thing just on Prince. Um, we'll have to get, oh, Har- yeah. we'll have to get Harmar um, to do it, help us out on that one. But oh yeah, he's got so many. <laughs> There's so many great stories. Like it's insane. <laughs> it's just like unreal, and they're all true. They're all they're true. All, like, That's someone the thing. knows. Yeah, it's not. It sounds like the stuff of a fantasy, but it's reality. It's but, yeah. Someone going back to that just real quick. What you're saying? Um, uh. I'm old buddies with uh, Chris from the Foo Fighters, and he we were talking about, you know, after that, after he played, I can't remember what song, My Hero, or something during the, the halftime. Um, Super Bowl shit. Oh, was the, I can't remember, but Prince covered a Foo Fighters song and during that Super Bowl, and they were all like, I was asking him about that, and Chris was like, yeah, we were like, we're all watching it in the studio, and just like, it took us probably like half the verse or whatever before we are like, wait a minute, that's our song. You know, like they were just so, you know, it's like, you know, like watching it and kind of nodding their heads. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, Whoa, wait. <laughs> I, it, they didn't even recognize their own song because they're like, why would he play our song? You know, like he's got all the best ones. I don't know. He has his songs. To, yeah, like they're blown away. But I just love that when you, it's kind of like in the cartoons when the county doesn't realize he's like, gonna fall over the air and then he looks down and like oh you know like yeah. it took that long for it to sink in like oh <laughs> they're ripping it right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome um one thing that i thought was interesting um before we get to statistics because i want to talk about that era but the thing about dessa that i thought was interesting and it brings up you know the word of of the podcast is just like how you know things were received in that time period of you know the 01s 2000s and then later on it was sort of had you know the word had this like redemption to it um what were you do you remember hearing the word do you remember the thoughts around it you remember being you know, aware of that sound or were you just in Omaha and it just happened to ha- be another word that described music? I think I, I, we definitely heard the word and I think it initially we were like, okay, this means like literally emotional. That makes absolute sense. Like Connor's at that point was like known for like 
crying sometimes on stage like we get it you know like and we and it, it was like this thing we'd like te- like at one point oh man like some of the best times were in, in like in the little tour van or like when we'd all cram into like one uh like motel six room and you know wake up in the morning and just like laugh and like give each other a hard time but um we were we'd always tease connor about you know i think there was something that I don't know if it was like an article or something on a website that said, talking about him shaking and crying. And for some reason, that was like our thing. We'd always say it. And finally, one day in the van, like after we'd been, you know, giving him a hard time, he uh, grabbed this water bottle, like this bottle of water, and just like sprayed himself in the face. He goes, I wasn't crying. That's <laughs> awesome. It, we might have it on video somewhere. But anyway, back to the question. Um, it, Yeah, I think it, like it, at first we're like, okay, I think this is kind of like a, a catch all that, it means like kind of the indie rock that's a little more um, hard on your sleeve or whatever. I don't know. It just, but, but very quickly, then it started to mean like everything, you know, like it meant like these kind of slicker, like prettier bands that were on like alternative press. And like, I don't know. I think it, it quickly was like punk, you know, where like that could be, I don't know, the offspring versus like dead Kennedys or, or totally the clash or, you know, like it, it, it was such a wide spectrum. They're like, I, I don't know if that really, I don't know what that even means anymore, but uh, yeah, initially it was, I think, I, in fact, I remember phases where it was kind of like the, like, what? Don't say that. But then I was like, Oh yeah, totally say that. And I'm like, but what is that? You know, like it just mm-hmm. kind of, I guess. So it t- it was definitely weird. Yeah, I, was just, I mean, I I never felt like anyone like, you know, really like claimed, uh, you know, like that's me, like I I am emo, you know, like I don't know, I just I, I felt like it was just kind of like one of those things you kind of scratched your head and you kind of like went along with like yeah totally and like you didn't really fully get it i think now it's a it's a great ref like you said it's a great reference to that era you know like Mm -hmm. more than a specific sound because again it's so it you know covers so many different bands and sounds i feel like it's more of like a a time but but also understood i think when like the first dessa record like i feel like it wasn't understood by the press and like everyone that was into it was like, this is fucking great. But then all these people that are supposed to like, you think that they're ready to praise it. Like they just tagged it as something else. Yeah. It almost became like a reference point. Like if you like these bands, you're probably like this. So it's, emo. it's that, you know, it's that, yeah. it's that whole thing over the time over there. It's part of that. Yeah. You're like, okay, well that's a good starting point. Like I, I can go through and kind of figure out, more specifically from there but it's a good starting point or reference point i guess yeah um one thing i I forgot again from the shea stadium show is i got introduced to connor that night i think it was through someone at epitaph and yeah 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 totally and he he um he saw me and i got introduced not from my you know professional life it was like this is tom from washed up emo and he looks at me he's like i'm emo too (laughs) <laughs> i was like okay, <laughs> okay. you're like 
missed it, you know. Um, it was very nah. funny. It was very sweet. <laughs> but no, I feel like I do remember, didn't we all go to like Yumi and Matt and um, I can't remember, didn't we all go to like St. Dymphna's or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that old hang. Those were those decisions that you would go out all night. And now, now, no, no, no. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, you're going to go to your studio. I'm going to edit a podcast. Like that's it. Exactly. <laughs> um, I would love to talk about statistics. And I think it's, we reconnected. You had an anniversary of the first record or the EP rather for, that was on Jade Tree. And mm -hmm. just give a little, you know, you kind of had this band start and quickly abrupt and um, and had this new project. And it's kind of been um, something that you've done for a long time. But um, give people a little background on statistics. Yeah, so I had, um, it was, I don't know, I, I had always wanted to be in like a band, not, not to be like a dude in a band, but I always wanted to have like that camaraderie and like, you know, be able to like share an experience and, and we're all in this together, guys, right? You know, kind of thing. And um, with, uh, with basic kind of, you know, getting put on halt and, and just the, like, there were so many logistical nightmares too, like, even during Daiso when Landon was also in the good life and Connor obviously had bright eyes and there was all these different things. And it was sometimes it'd just be like a scheduling nightmare. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to have my own little thing and I'm going to work on it at night and I'm going to do whatever I want. Like it was truly like, sometimes when I go back and listen to things, I'm like, good grief. Like, what was that all about? You know, just, but I'm like, no, that's cool. Cause you were truly just doing whatever you wanted to do. There wasn't like a, like an aesthetic or like a i don't know it was like you're trying to you know complete this concept record or something it was just like i like how this sounds i want to do that it's it's done you know and um so yeah it was like this solo kind of recording project and then i kind of assembled like a live band for it and it was originally like way more kind of what we were talking about earlier with like where kind of Daisy started out as like it was trying to be more experimental and playing kind of around with synths more and um and it was funny like after one of the records we were like on tour and like our the main synth that we used like on everything broke and it was just fried and it was like we took it in and get repaired like no the motherboard's gone like it's gone and so it's like I guess we're I guess it's a guitar band again you know like it was like <laughs> that was like the determining wow. like we did that for a while and then you know and then got back into the, like no no i, I really want to just experiment and just kind of do whatever so that's kind of what it was and i you need to remind me because i forgot did you toured on those records yeah we um did a bunch of like Let's see, now it's overhead and Rilo Kylie and um um what's his my blanking on? M Ward this one. Oh, I probably saw then that 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 those 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 ring a bell. Yeah. There's a bunch of you know, and like engine down and all those um Fuck yeah. Band. Yeah, that those were awesome. <laughs> my, a lot of minus the bear. Um yeah, there's a lot of tours, but um yeah, to me it was always more of a of a recording project, but um, I only did tour quite a bit. 
So what about what about the what about that band that you would want people to know or maybe check out um, songs or or things that you know people people should check out if they don't know statistics? Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like again, I have so many weird feelings about like some of that stuff. I'm like really proud of them. So I'm like, what is what what's that? Why? But, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I think it's one of those things too, like from a recording standpoint, when you go back and listen to it, oh I would have done it this way or oh I would have left, you know. But like one of those things like where you just never feel like it's fully done or something, but I don't know. There's um I mean obviously you can do the old like pull up Spotify and see what what other people listen to the most on it, but um there's one on like I think the last record um that i did there was one song called menu screen and it's it's one of those like it's not it's not like some you know hit song that gets stuck in your head or you know there's but there's something to me there's something about it i guess it's one of those where like i like each sound on it It, it's to me it's my favorite song when i like when i look back on it but um not the best lyrics, but I'm not. There's a whole thing. I've never really been a vocalist or, you know, a lyricist. Like, we're so similar. I, you know, <laughs> I forget lyrics laugh or I'll, I'll, I forget lyrics first. Like, if someone's like, like, go sing a song on stage, like, I'm screwed. If you want me to play the yeah. riff, like, I can probably finagle my way through like a verse, but I don't know the whole song. But lyrics for me are always, I don't know why. I never liked that part of it. I like yeah. it when someone else does it. And that's the thing, like, it's, you know, it should be subjective, <laughs> but it's not. I kind of feel like, you know, I think you should, like, I you know, at the time I was like, yeah, I'm stoked on these. It's great. And then later I'm like, I don't know. And I don't know. I think it's, there's definitely people that are, are very good at it. And I think, you know, I think <laughs> I should let them take care of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the whole point of that new project that I was telling you about um, that I've been working on. We can talk about that later if you want, but that the whole thing is like, I, I don't, I'm not good at lyrics or singing. So I'm going to find people that are and then have them on the record. And then it's perfect. I like it. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So that's me and um, Clark Beckley of the faint. Um, we have a new project that we we've been calling weeknights like W E A K. Um, <laughs> Sorry. A bad joke we no, made a great. long time ago. <laughs> I'm into it. But it's one of those things that stuck. Yeah, it's one of those like, uh, yeah. Because he and I were roommates back in college for the semester that we both went to college. Because um, our dads both taught at that university. Um, and we would make, you know, we'd make weird little music in our dorm room. And this is kind of like a continuation of that, I guess. But it's 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 really cool stuff that... um I'm really proud of because of, I think because of everything that Clark's bringing to it. Um, but yeah, and then we, you know, find different vocalists to sing on it, on each, different vocalists on each track. And like we did that with uh, Jimmy World. Like I sent Jim a track. I was like, hey, check this out. And he got, he was like, actually, we really like it and we want to make it a Jimmy World song. I was like, oh, okay. So we got like, you know, writing credits or whatever. But And that was Place Your Debts, it- right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And they really made it their own. You know, I mean, the progressions and some of the sounds are similar from the thing I recorded, but they definitely made it like a Jimmy World song in the best 
most amazing way. Like that's really cool thing to be a part of because that's an amazing compliment oh you want me to sing on this hey can we have it because we want to rip it or we want to like we want to like riff on this (laughs) yeah yeah like uh yeah absolutely yeah yeah seriously do you want another one i mean um (laughs) yeah so and i'm still trying to get him to sing on one of ours but i mean i'm also cool if that's the extent of our collaborations that's cool too because i'm still just blown away that that happened like i been a huge huge jimmy world fan from well before we toured with him in back whatever in 2003 and um so yeah it was really cool to be a part of that but it was kind of funny to be like it's such a long story to say like here's this new project and here's a song we did but it that's a jimmy world song that we wrote but it so it doesn't really sound like our project but it's connected to it somehow you know dude that's like the band's like first seven inch and they're in maximum rock and roll and they have x members all over the place and then it's like by the time you get to the end of it you forgot why you're reading it like a little bit like (laughs) exactly what's this band yeah where start over are they from denver you know like they they don't even remember that yeah (laughs) that's good what so yeah, what, are, what are some plans other than trying to corner Jim again? Oh, um, it's so it's so weird. So we have like probably four completed tracks, like vocals done, mixed, and everything. And it's one of those things like, oh, I want to tell you so bad who's singing it, but I don't know if I if I can or if I should. I don't know if like legally I should. We should clear it. That that's been the other hurdle is like, you know, trying to find a home for it. And we've had couple different managers um kind of shop it around but i don't know i feel like it's such a weird the music industry just seems so weird obviously i'm i'm such an outsider i'm such like a weird old man in his weird little studio but um it just seems like you know before there was like a and r departments to develop and then there was even more recently there was like manager management that would kind of help kind of grow you and get you out there and think of ways to get it to people. And I think to me and my limited experience, it almost feels like management's kind of going the way of A&R where it's like, if, if you've got traction and if people are already on board, then, then like we'll, we'll kick into action. But, you know, in the meantime, I think, and I totally get it, but I think a lot of managers like have to kind of focus on the breadwinner and they don't have as much time to try to help this, you know, up and comer, up and come or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's a weird, weird chicken and egg situation. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to answer? I can either listen to you vent or I can, I can give you the answer. <laughs> I want the answer. <laughs> I mean, you, you're actually, you, you, you are completely right. I mean that the, um, I mean, the A&R teams were actually decimated a little bit from the TikTok era, right? Because it was like, find this one song and then they're going to do this. And then then you realize they don't have other songs after it. So it felt like this one and done, which kind of has always been the case. It might have been Seattle, but now it just happens to be a, a platform that it's kind of this one and done. And I wonder, I wonder about even the smaller labels having to compete in that same way and them having to have a similar mindset, but it also is what are bands looking for? Like, are they looking for, are they looking for the traditional 
I get in advance and I get this money for the record and I get this for the tour. Sometimes that's not around as, mm-hmm. as, as much. So I, I think it is, um, it is a harder time to get that maybe coddling when a lot of times you do need to kind of be up and running and going and maybe they push some levers. Um, totally. and, and I also find it's fucking difficult. Um, it was so, de- it was really depressing. I think being at a smaller label and, and having, you think you've got all these things lined up and it just never happened. Um, yeah. and it, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's very demoralizing sometimes. And it's tough. And I see, you know, like, cause I was at, like, I want the label to do, I don't want labels to have to fold and crash and, you know, I want them to make smart decisions and wise investments, but it's, it just, it's difficult cause there's not, there's you know, even going back to, you know, when all the labels kind of went by the wayside with, um, you know, Napster and whatever, like, I just like, there, there's just not the, you can't take as many risks because, yep. yeah, there's just not as much leeway or room or budget to, to roll the dice. Like, you kind of have to stick with, you know. So, I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting so what situation. are you waiting? Like, what do you what do you guys want to? Is it? Are you waiting for a label? Are you waiting for someone to say like? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like, we're. I mean, the whole thing is, and and I guess this kind of ties into what we we're saying earlier. Like, you know, it's like TikTok and stuff. Like, I feel like before in that heyday, like bands could just kind of focus on being bands, and there was someone that would come in and be like, "Let me figure out a way to bring this to the people." And now, like, everyone's you know has to try to market themselves and and come up with these videos and these, you know, wait, foot in the door and getting kind of the followers. And it's like, and that's great. More power to people that can do that. But for some of us older folk, it's like, I don't know how that works. Yeah. No, we've got, we've got like half the record done. And um, I guess in the meantime, while we're rounding it out and trying to get everyone else's vocals back, it's just like that weird thing of like, I feel like we do need someone to come in and be like, uh, finish the record and then we'll do it. Or, or maybe start you know, releasing singles, um, from these ones that are totally done. And then maybe it'll help, you know, finish, you know, like an incentive for people to get their vocals done and, and finish out the record. Or, you know, I don't even know anymore, like, which yeah. is better or wiser. Like I feel like I need, someone to tell me that because i don't know <laughs> and and you you and clark are kind of doing this by yourself yeah exactly yeah but but you seem so, excited yeah, about a, it definitely yeah no for sure and it's i mean the the vocals we have and the songs that are done are like i think they kind of i don't know it's i'm really excited to get them out there and you know worst case like we'll just put them out ourselves on like band camp or whatever you know but i think uh, ideally, I'm trying to do it the right way and not, you know, put it out there and be like, have some label later be like, why'd you put it out there? Like, you could have done so much better right. with it. Or, you know, like, oh, shit. So, I don't know. One thing else I was going to bring up, um, since you're in a studio, um, are you getting it, like, did, did you get into gear? Like, are you totally, like, just buying every possible equipment thing you can and plug in? Or is it still, you know, simple? Yeah, I've, so 
I think it was good before when I didn't have a space to put stuff. Now you do. So now this is <laughs> now sort I of do. an intervention then, right? This is a, me asking. Yeah. yeah, this is more therapy. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's, it's less, um, I mean, I still have a very basic uh, recording setup. Like it's not like you'd think I was like investing in that. It's like, no, I just keep buying guitars and amps mm. and pedals and yeah, there's just, you, you know, I, I should have a much better recording setup, but it, I mean, what I have gets the job done and I'm never, I mean, it's not like I'm mixing here. It's just like for basic tracking and ideas and stuff. And so I guess I'd rather like have all the gear here to kind of inspire me and just kind of try to keep creating stuff. And then, cause I could have like the best, you know, setup recording setup in the world. And then I'd still be like, man, I need, I need some inspiration here. I don't, Right. I don't have anything to record, but if I see these awesome guitars and I want to pick them up every time I walk by, I'm like, all right, now, now I've got to get this recorded before I forget it. Is it a little bit like Netflix for you in there where like you pick up a bunch and then you don't really start one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, but yeah, I do. I force myself to like, I don't know. Cause I have a lot of guitars in here and I, I really do force myself to make sure they all get played and, I don't know. Do you? Yeah, I feel like I would. I would like procrastinate because I would like see like I don't know a Rickenbacker and be like, you know, I probably need to restring that. You know, <laughs> like you find ways to like, uh, yeah, you know. But um, I I love that. What right now? What is your favorite guitar amp and and pedal? Don't well, don't even think. Just say it. Okay, definitely my favorite is I've got a, a 1963 Jazzmaster. Fuck you, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's like Olympic white with the matching headstock. I've got a 1964 too, but the 1963 is my favorite for some reason. Okay, I don't know why. Um, and then going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, Keeley from Engine Down uh, recently was like, I don't. I got to get rid of this orange cab. I played it in uh, Engine Down and Sparta and at the drive-in. It's just too big. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Like, I'll pick that up your hand. <laughs> so. <laughs> you, you were like at his house, like within like, <laughs> yeah. hi. <laughs> um, so that's cool. I mean, because I have some really cool like vintage amps and stuff too. But that one, I just love the. Why? It's just a cab. But what's that? Why? Like, is it, what, what is the speaker in that? Is that, is that 10s or 12s? 12s 412 okay. it's massive but you just seen all those stencils on there and like the history of it like i don't know just all these things it's, it's cool to you know like i think my second favorite's this um 64 basement that i have but i don't know its history at all you know like i couldn't tell you whose hands it's been through but this orange cab from keely like i, I was pretty much there when he got it because um we had been touring together and their van got broken into and all their stuff got stolen and he went and bought this one and I remember it, you know, and then obviously I love all those bands, um, engine down Sparta and have to drive in. And so it's just kind of a cool, cool piece of history that, you know, I don't like, I don't know who all would, like, I don't think it, some random dude at Guitar Center would care at all about that. <laughs> so to Unless me, I'm like, if, if it was awesome. me, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this isn't going out on the floor. This is not going out on the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also got, I just recently, I couldn't for the life of me 
remember what my first amp, my first ever amp was that I, you know, would play all the Nirvana songs on. And I spent hours like on the internet trying to figure it out. It's like, I was just convinced it was a crate. And I finally, finally figured it out. Like my brother sent me this unrelated video about, you know, someone like gave their, their cheap pawn store amp, like a facelift or whatever. And I was like, that's the amp. And so I tracked one down off reverb. It's like a $40 amp. Like it's, it's, what is it? It's, um, it's matrix. Matrix. It might be, yeah, it might even be like a Korean company. I'm saying, hey, look at this thing. Um, made in Korea. Um, nothing special. It's it looks like an old one of those old crates that has like the carpet on the side. Oh, dude, those crates! I that was always I love that punchline. Because that what didn't they have the stupid like catalog that you they gave it to everybody? Do you remember the crate oh. catalog? Yeah, and I was like, "Who are these weird. people?" That because yeah. I go to shows and no one had crate unless yeah. it was like Biohazard or something. <laughs> no one had like. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating my very specific niche jokes. That was a fantastic reference. <laughs> so, but like, no one had crate, and then I'm like, "Yeah, who is this color printed catalog yeah. of crate amps? Who?" And then they make guitars. Like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, I'm sure they're great people and great amps and guitars. I'm sure. I just didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had a Matrix, and then you had a, uh, you had like a, you had that amp. So those were the ones I had a, I had a Yamaha SE211 like Strat knockoff. Um, oh yeah. Which was great, and then I had a PV. I was like a five watt or ten watt thing that I just like annihilated. That was oh, my yeah. first. Those those were I my have- first a wall of six PV practice amps staring at it right now. Really? <laughs> well, but I mean, half of them are those decades that, you know, um, Queens of the Stone Age made mm-hmm. such a big deal. I, I've, I had those before. I'm not that I'm some cool guy that I was in the know, but I just, I did like them. And my buddy told me about them. Uh, probably he, he's a guitar tech and he probably learned about them from Queens before they said something about it. But I started to pick those up. And there's another one, the um, Audition 20, which is what uh, Albert from The Strokes. Mm. So that's his sound. And so I, both of those are, you know, they're super cheap little garage sale amps, but I really like how they sound. I had a classic 54 by 10 from PV. The Tweed, oh, yeah. the Tweed ones. Yeah, that was my that was my late '90s. Like, um, we wanted to sound like Texas, the reason, and Jay June. That that was that that was the amp for it. I always thought the the tens had like a different. I don't know. I just liked that it was a little more muddy. I don't know. That's f- so funny. Said so. Going back, like going full circle when we were talking about like, you know, back in junior high, uh, you, the garage bands or whatever. Like, I it wasn't even mine. I it was, there was some like older guys that let me borrow their PV Classic 50. Stop and it. Like, and it was Tweed. And that Shut was, the fuck up. I bet I could find those old, old garage, literally playing the garage, or, or at, I think one was at Cog Factory, but um, I think I'm playing that Tweed PV Classic 50. Get out of here. I promise. Why did you like it? I loved that it was tube. I liked that I could yeah. put in, like, I actually had a guy, like, put in, like, specific Russian ones that I wanted. Like, the, and, well, why, why did you like it? Was it just because it was a hand-me-down? 
Yeah, because it was like it wasn't even a hand me down. It was like this this older guy in a, in the in a, like a cool older high school like like the big guys as far as I was concerned. Like mm. he was letting me borrow this amp and it was loud. Like it that's was what fucking I fucking like. loud. I like, yeah, because <laughs> I was coming from my little matrix before that, so I was like, oh man. I definitely think my right ear is fucked up more because of that amp. Yeah. Um, and it, I I also like the feedback. I actually could really make feedback easily with that. Um, Denver, that's fucking nuts. You ha- no one's no I've never found anyone else that played that amp. It's so funny because I and same thing. I've I, I've honestly almost gone back and bought one again just to like listen to it now. How much like, are they? I have no idea. I haven't even looked in a while, but I have to pull this up while we're on the phone. Yeah, let's just pull this up on Reverb. Let's see, uh, dude, this is but, nuts. Uh, I was not expecting to talk about my PV Classic Fifty Four by Ten. Well, it was one of those things like, <laughs> you know, because truly I haven't played one since I was, whatever, 14, 15, because, you know, it wasn't mine. The dude eventually I took it back. And so that's why I've, I was wondering, like, what does that sound like now? Like, what, like, I need to hear with my worse ears. <laughs> my ears were probably way better back then. Dude, 1990 reverb. Oh, fuck you. Here it is. Five star reviews, you damn right it is. Five hundred bucks local pickup in uh, Independence, Missouri. Oh wow. Road trip. <laughs> Road trip. One's in Poland. <laughs> Couple in Poland. Huh. Oh dude, Thousand Oaks, six fifty. I could go get that right now. Okay. Wow, it's 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 kept its value. <laughs> and that one in Thousand Oaks looks good too. <laughs> Nice grill oh, on the that same one. site. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the back. I would stuff the shit out of that back with like mm-hmm. stuff. I I put my wah pedal that I never used. Yeah, <laughs> still have my wah pedal. <laughs> Dude, the foot switch. That that was my effects. That was it. I didn't have money for effects. Yep. That was it. Oh, that thing. That thing. I think I. Oh, this. That. I mean, this might be mine. I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> You might have to. J-E? What's the J-E on the left? That's someone. Hmm. What's J-E? Is that a band? Uh, was it was it Jet's amp? They just didn't have room for the T? They just ran out. <laughs> <laughs> they just got lazy. Like, you get the gist of it. It's, it's us. <laughs> it's us. I'm it gonna, does kind of look like the Jet logo. I know. That's it? what I'm saying. Yeah. J-E. What's a J-E? It's not Jealous Sound. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Local pickup only. I mean... Shit. Sounds like... I might... Might have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, the, one, of the, one, one of the... Re, one of the reviews, sorry. I've used a classic 50 for 20 years. Distortion pedal never gets used. Distortion, underrated workhorse. <laughs> it's one of those things, too, like, again, going back to that little... That terrible little practice amp I got, like, I don't think anyone else would like it, but when I plugged it in, I was like, oh, man, this takes me back. Like, it immediately... You know, like, and I, again, it's that we were talking about before, like that chasing that dragon of like, I don't think, I don't think any show I've ever played in my life will have the same magic as like the first time I was able to play all the way through lithium in my bedroom, you know, as a, whatever, 12 or 13 year old, whatever age I was 
like that i feel like i'm always chasing that magic of like like you said like i can do this like it's not some impossible steve i so like i can i can play this and i am and it's this is the best you know yeah i love that i remember i was playing might have been like white zombie thunder kiss on my pv like practice amp and i remember like the song finished and like either it was my mom or my dad and like they were just like you know they were cool but they came in and they were like you're getting really good like they were probably were so happy i was done but yeah. even just like <laughs> saying that um and i was probably i don't know i probably and i'm sure um it was it was horrible, but I I just thought that was like yeah you're right like you finished it and you were like a little sweaty right because your door was shut yeah. and you're like fucking hey I did I did the whole song yeah and my big thing with this terrible little amp that I love so much um it had you know the clean and the the overdrive channel yep but it was this tiny I didn't have a switch for it it was this tiny little button yes the little like, like a silver one or gray one yeah exactly I'm I got right you at it. And, I got you. And so my thing was I would I would lie down, I would like sit with my back like against the wall and I I would when the time came time for that loud chorus, I would very carefully hit it with my toe. And I was like, it's my foot switch, man, I got it. Like and I was just so stoked, you know, I was like, This is the best. Like I've cracked the code. Yeah, cause it like cause it like didn't have that like crackle sound. Like you 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 could do it with your toe to make it like you could make it sound yeah. like you just did it purposely. Yeah, fuck yeah. And you didn't have to stop playing, you know. I was like, I did it. Oh, Denver, this is this is this is the best. <laughs> I had such a shitty day, so this is a great way to. Um, and then let's 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 talk about pedal. What what what's your favorite pedal right now? Let's see, man. Don't think not, too much. Well, okay, because it's kind of a gray area. So it's not it's not like a traditional um, guitar pedal, but I have this multivox bass synthesizer that's it's um just like an octave of a of a keyboard yep. like from c to c but you can play with your feet I, again i'm talking about playing things with my feet like weirdly but um so it's like it's just like a bass synth and so i can play you know leads over it or i can play whatever and then i can Right, like the kind of the chord progression change underneath it at the same time. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's really useful. Like I don't know some of those things like in Desa, like even like that Manana song we we're talking about before. Like it's this weird two hand tapping thing, and it wasn't because like I was trying to be like West Borland or something. Like it was more because I was trying to play two parts at once and so like I, so i could hear like what you know the rhythm part and the lead together would sound like and so i would i kind of brought that into the band and was like so it'd be like this and th so these these notes in my left hand that's your baritone part connor and then i'll do this thing and they're like no no, no keep do that like do that on top of the baritone part so then i was wow doing this weird tap thing so it's always been a weird thing of like i'm always trying to hear two parts at once and so this foot pedal like makes that way easier but i don't know i just got like a super feedback or distortion and um an old like 80s rat because man everything it all comes back to like when i was in junior high basically it sounds like 
because I had a rat pedal and I got rid of it and then I not too not too long ago got it back and same thing like I'm like I'm just I'm all about that junior high school gear apparently so we need to rename your studio then yeah so it's not what did you call it the rat den I got the dork den the dork den I I think you should just call it like midlife well (laughs) you know my wife calls it the virgin layer and that's appropriate <laughs> from when I was thank you honey working. Yeah. <laughs> she's like it's full of your guitars and Star Wars stuff and, and? Um, I'm like yeah I'm like that's fine that goes a lot I got you babe yeah <laughs> it was actually really funny she's like no TVs in there I was like alright and I, so I got a projector and so just the whole wall is a TV basically oh that's great you said TV. Loophole. You said TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, that was perfect. Anything like else mid-life, you want? Though. Yeah, yeah. Midlife's pretty good. Yeah, midlife. I've been calling it a midlife awakening, not like yeah. crisis. I like that. Um, anything else you wanted to mention? Oh, uh, no. That was fucking hilarious we, about the amps. Yeah, and we. I like that. That we didn't think it would go there, and we didn't think that we would be the first Zoom crash. I know, my first fucking Zoom H6 crash. This thing's a tank. Oh, but it's uh, it's a sign that this is going to be a good one. Yes, so um, they're all good. Thanks, Denver. I'm I'm stoked you're still rocking and rolling, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> glad to still be here. Gotta risk it all.